The Pace Line is packing its bags for the Leadville Trail 100. And I'm bringing uh, a pop-up tent. I'm bringing chairs. We're bringing picnic tables that'll pop up for a support crew. I'm bringing all gradations of all of my bike clothes. It's extraordinary how much stuff I have. My checklist, and I do have an actual checklist that I've written up, is about four pages long. We discuss what to take, and the answer is everything. And we get some bike philosophy from an endurance athlete. And so if there's a rainstorm coming, I've got the gear, so bundle up and and enjoy the ride. Enjoy the rainstorm. It'll pass by, and then tomorrow it'll be a nice sunny day. Or not. Line, the podcast on two wheels. Patrick, Hottie, and me, Fatty. This is show number 78 of the official podcast of Red Kite Prayer, which makes it sound like there's several unofficial podcasts of Red Kite Prayer that are out there somewhere. We're going to shut them down. Yeah, we, yeah, we, and, need, some, we need some pirate podcasts out there. Pirate RKP <laughs> podcast. I, I'm like, nerd. <laughs> Please, someone make a pirate, uh, a pirate Red Kite Prayer podcast. Please. We'll let you call it the pace line two. This time it's personal. <sighs> Whether unofficial or official, please subscribe, rate us, review us on iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts. Speaking of which, we sometimes read uh, the reviews and the ratings that come to us because your feedback matters to us. And when one stands out, we read it on air. Is this one Here's a really good one. That came, no, this one is super good, guys. You don't have to. You don't have to hunker down, put your face on your hands, and and brace yourself for impact on this one. <laughs> I was nervous. <laughs> the subject of this is nailing it, which I you gotta love that, right? And this is by Dreflow, and came out just a week ago or so. And he says, or she says, can't tell. Started with the Fat Cyclist blog, which read me, which led me to Red Kite Prayer, which led me to the Paceline podcast. Excellent work all around. I've listened to every episode of the podcast, and the chemistry and flow just keeps getting better. Check us out, guys. We're improving. Yay! And that's not it. That is not the end. This person continues, I've especially enjoyed the evolution of Houghton's paceline pick into sort of mini think pieces. Episode 74 especially stands out. Eventually, we were providing the all-important team coverage. Cracked me up. Keep it up, guys. So, Hadi, check you out. Check me out. Someone's listening to the end of the show. That's That, more than anything, makes me happy because getting someone to go to the – actually listen to the end of any podcast anywhere of the millions that are out there is pretty amazing. So I'm glad uh, we have at least one follower who is uh, catching uh, Paceline <laughs> Picks because uh, God knows we put a lot of effort into those. I got to sure. say, I – I love, uh, one, I love Hottie's Paceline Picks. I always look forward to them. We don't know what they're going to be any more than you do, guys. But I also always look forward to what Hottie puts in right after the episode. There's always some goofball uh, mix-up that, you know, that happened on air that he puts in there. And, you know, it might be me singing or who knows what. Mm-hmm. But And now <laughs> the Paceline is as more. much a mystery to two-thirds of us as it is to all of you. Oh, <laughs> uh, but enough navel gazing guy Actu- actually um we're just barely starting with the navel gazing because you know generally segment one is where i talk about things that matter to me and right now uh what matters to me also matters to you hottie i think both of us are in various stages of packing for the Leadville 100. Mm-hmm. Uh, how is that going for you man mm, i'm actually 90 percent done Oh, man. But only because I, I had a deadline. I had a deadline of last night to drop off my stuff. <laughs> oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, if your deadline was last night and you're 90% done, that may actually be a problem. Yeah. Well, the rest of it I can take with me uh, on the airplane. Ah, uh, okay. So that's so you're having to sort of drop off sort of a mini version of your stuff to sort of, uh, sort of steal a George Carlin thought there. Mm. 
uh, we are more or less just packing up everything we own and bringing it to Leadville. Uh, this year, there are six of us who are heading out to Leadville. Uh, my wife, me, uh, our, uh, our twins, uh, Lisa's dad, and Melissa's boyfriend are all heading up to Leadville, which means we don't have a single car that will hold all of us. We are taking two vehicles to Leadville this year oh, and you're six not bicycles. Take the, the Sprinter van that you did the backflip in? <laughs> oh man, if only I could. If only I could. If I could own a Sprinter van, I would like that. No, my 11 year old Honda Ridgeline is going to make the trip for the 11th time. And it. Uh, we are also taking Lisa's sedan and. Uh, my Ridgeline will uh, will support six bicycles on it, four on the Kuat rack and two in the truck bed. And we're all just going to squeeze in, and it's going to look like the Beverly Hillbillies going to Leadville. <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you a rocking chair. <laughs> well, thank you. We'll just gr- we'll strap uh, Lisa's dad onto it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Oh, I, I got to say, Lisa's dad is 86 years old and coming with us to Leadville, and he has borrowed a bicycle and has been riding it around. Um, so I, this is, you know, you know, you know, tough old birds. He is the very epitome of tough old bird. But he's um, not doing the event, correct? He, he is not doing the event. However, he does do uh, he he hikes mountains and uh, does a. Uh, a monthly seven-mile hike up, uh, I think it's like a 3,000-foot climb uh, every single month. It's uh, he, He's an incredible old dude. Uh, really, really impressed mm-hmm. with him. He's the kind of guy you want to be like when you grow up. Yep, I want to yeah, be him. It really sounds like it. Wow. No joke. Uh, yeah, and he's he's doing all this, I should say, uh, while under treatment for metastatic uh, prostate cancer. So oh, good grief. <laughs> I know, I know. He, yeah, he's just dealing with it, you know. <laughs> I've had worse. I've... <laughs> yeah. It's uh, only a flesh so, wound. That's, it won't be. Yeah. <laughs> it'll be no problem, guys. Um, I, and so we really are packing practically everything. Um, it, you know, because at, Led, at the Leadville race, it's 10 days away or so right now. And so while we have weather predictions, we also know that those weather predictions are more of an indicator of what might happen on any given August 12th than it is of actual weather possibilities in Leadville. So I'm having to, I'm planning for every kind of weather, right? And I'm bringing uh, a pop-up tent. I'm bringing chairs. We're bringing picnic tables that'll pop up for a support crew. I'm bringing all gradations of all of my bike clothes. It's extraordinary how much stuff I have. My checklist, and I do have an actual checklist that I've written up is about four pages long. Wow. I overpack. I am such a bad overpacker. Well, now, hang on a second. So I get that you have to bring kind of one of everything you own uh, for Mm -hmm. race day. But how many days are you there in Leadville? I'm going to be there about a week. Uh, We're going to get there Saturday, and then the following Saturday is the race. And so, you know, you're going to be riding other days that you're there. So, like, how many total kits do you need, aside from, like, all the outerwear and whatnot? Yeah, we're staying there for for a week, but I'm only bringing about three total kits because the place we're staying does have a washing machine. Okay. So, yeah, I can... I can, you know, bring a few t-shirts, a few pair of shorts, and a few, uh, you know, and then a few different kits that I like. Um, so it's, it's, clothes are a tiny part of everything that we bring. It's, uh, it's just a version of, well, you have six people, all of their stuff. It becomes pretty, it, it becomes pretty amazing how much that, how quickly that winds up filling up your truck. So... It, it, it makes me think logistics are, have got to be something that you really love if you're going to be doing long-distance endurance cycling. Uh, I mean, is there not a type A component to each of you? you you've each done some really big rides. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Hadi, Would do you love the planning? Well— I consider it part of the race. Yeah, the the, yeah. I, the the great thing about doing big gravel events or long mountain bike events 
is not just you know the training and the race itself, but the decoding, if you will. You got to hack mm-hmm. this thing to get it right. You know, you got to you got to plan out your nutrition. What food am I going to use? What am I going to bring? How am I going to set up my bike? What kind of spare stuff do I need? Um, how tough is this course? What kind of demands are you going to place on my equipment, my body, my my everything? Do I need feeds? Right? How many feeds yep. do I need? All that stuff. So yeah, I consider it, you know, a, a mission uh, more than, and it's more than just the ride and race itself. It's everything that goes into it that that makes a successful Leadville. I mean, if you mess up uh, a detail, um, I don't know, uh, you don't uh, bathe very well all week and suddenly you come down with a big boil on your butt because you haven't cleaned, cleaned <laughs> it. Well, that's going to ruin your race. Why do I go to oh, the butt sure all does. the time? I don't know. Excuse me. But, um, you, you know, I say that if you don't bring the right thing, if shoes do you wrong, you you know, you break a lace as you're tying up your, you know, your shoes or a buckle or something and you don't have anything to replace it Saturday morning at six in the morning, that's going to be trouble. So, yeah, you're trying to not blow an epic event. Right, it's something you've yep. planned on for months. You've trained. You've missed a lot of money. The reason why you're doing all this, fatty, it's insurance. You're taking out insurance. That <laughs> that's right. If something goes wrong, you can cover it. Yep, everything you bring is insurance against this or that. So you don't have just a windbreaker. You have four different flavors of windbreaker and rain jacket. You don't just have gloves. You have gloves and surgical gloves and you have neoprene gloves and you have the big old lobster mitts just in case the weather goes completely sideways. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I've had weather for which every single one of those kinds of gloves would be nice. And I should say, just by way of boasting, this, guys, this is number 20 for me. If I finish this, I'm going to be one of very few people who has that 2,000-mile belt buckle. Wow, I'm pretty, that's really uh, something. Mm-hmm. I'm a pretty important person. <laughs> well, you are. You are. I mean, so I, I wouldn't. I, well, you know, we don't. We don't need this to put you over the top. Yeah. I just like to point that out every possible moment I can. Oh, and you can bet. <laughs> you know, I do have packed my thousand mile buckle as well as a couple of my sub nine belt buckles, and I will be wearing them around town. Why don't I give you my little packing list, Fatty, and you can break it down if you if you care to. I, I basically break down, and this applies to most big events, my packing into four categories. Clothing, mm-hmm. bike, food, and in this case, electronics. Well, yeah, always electronics. So always. I always start with almost the last thing I'm going to wear. Which race kit am I, do I, would I like to wear if the weather is like it usually is? Uh, Leadville, which is chance of showers, high of about 70. So I kind of know what that's going to be for a kit. But otherwise, at the start line, I always like to have on extra clothing. And that includes my favorite zipper pants that come off real quick and a liner, a thin pair of sweats that go underneath so my legs stay nice and warm. I also Mm -hmm. bring um, some type of base layer, or not a base layer, but a fleece, along with my puffy Mm -hmm. jacket and a skull cap. That's all stuff that goes in the bag like right away. Like, this is what I want to wear when I'm standing around at 5.30 or 6 in the morning, and it's 38 degrees out, and I'm waiting for yep. an old guy to fire a shotgun. This is how <laughs> I want to be. In. And that stuff just comes off real quick. I can hand it to Veronica. She can take off and go uh, down to the first feed zone. I bring a pair of uh, work gloves. These are gloves I bought in Leadville once. They can go over my uh, race gloves, and I can leave them on, you know, f- f- um, as we leave, as we start the race and go up Kevin's. And they were like two bucks. So if I chuck them, no loss. Actually, I've kept them, though. This will be the third race they've done. So they're these funky work clubs. Um, Like you, Fatty. Well, I bring six kits. Um, Mm -hmm. I like to have a spare kit, a spare race kit, in case I pull my bibs on race morning and I tear something. You never know. Or you crash like I did last week. Um, The one thing I bring way too many of is, is socks. I love socks. I can never decide on socks. I want to have the right socks on. My feet are very important. I want. I don't want bunching. I want to be comfortable. If my feet are feeling swollen, I want to make sure I can adjust that morning or what have you. I always have wool socks and long socks too. Like you, fatty, I bring you know oh, stuff yeah. in case it gets cold. Like for instance, I'm bringing a pair of knickers um, that I and also a fair, pair of long wool socks that would give me full coverage um, if it is really cold on race day. Um, mm-hmm. Here's a must. 
swim trunks. You got to bring swim trunks to Leadville. I love jumping into Turquoise Lake. I do it like three or four times every time I go there. Like I've never done that. Oh, it is super cold. It's like a giant ice bath. I love the thing. <laughs> All my friends so, that have so taken up the there, I think. wrote a whole piece about ice baths. Yeah. Everyone thinks I'm nuts, but I love getting in the lake. It's just really refreshing. So I, I always go swimming in the lake. I've also done the river too, which is a little weird, but the lake is a lot wow. of fun. Uh, extra pair of bike shoes, like we talked about. I mean, shoes can just, you know, they're, mm. they're so close to the ground. There's a lot of walking in Leadville. You never know. Uh, extra pair of bike shoes could um, could bail you out. I'm not bringing spare wheels this year, but I'm bringing a lot of spare tires, um, parts and tools. Me, What's that? I have. Let me. Go ahead. I was just going to say. Did you check your cleats? Are your cleats new or fairly new? They're, they're new on both pair of shoes I'm bringing. Awesome. Okay, good. Uh, spare parts and tools. Obviously, I mean, I have all kinds of knickknacks. I have a spare pair of shifters this year, which is pretty cool. A chain, cables. Um, I don't have a spare rear derailleur, but I could probably figure something out if I needed that. So, And like I said, spare tires, tubes, all that stuff. So that takes care of clothing and bike. For food, um, we, we shop up there. So we, we buy the food yeah. we need to eat. And I bring some of my, you know, I bring most of the nutrition, sports nutrition I want. But I always bring, because I don't always know what's going to be in the kitchen where I'm staying, my chef's knife and a paring knife. Because inevitably, these homes you rent, I don't know where they, they buy these yeah. knives, I think, in a garage sale or something, or I don't know where they find these things. Maybe they just cut them themselves, but you could easily <laughs> cut a finger off, you know, trying to dice a tomato with some of the knives I've seen in some of these rental homes. So I bring my chef's knife and a paring knife um, where, wherever I go. Uh, I figure I can work with whatever pots and pans. As long as they have fire, I can probably cook. I'm probably pretty good there. This year, I have something brand new. I'm a coffee fiend, as you folks know. I have something so cool. New, it's the Caflano Coffee Maker. It is an all-in-one drip coffee maker, pour-over style coffee maker. It's a mug, a filter, a hand grinder, and even a little spout, all built into one container about the size, a little bit bigger than, well, it's a lot uh, wider, or a lot bigger in diameter than a water bottle, but about as tall as a as a normal size water bottle. Pretty cool thing. <laughs> And then a, I love that we're both bringing uh, coffee-making yeah. devices. I am bringing a Breville espresso machine. Yes, you do. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's here, care of uh, clothing, bike, food, and then electronics. Of course, we do a podcast. we got to bring our computers, Fatty. I bring yep. my recorder, my microphone. Of course, um, electronics includes my Garmin. Uh, I don't bring my electric razor because there's no shaving in Leadville. Come on now. But my Garmin and all the cords that go along with that, your phone, all that BS we think we need to keep life moving. And of course, something to do this fine podcast on, which would be a laptop and a and a microphone and a recorder. So <laughs> that is my Leadville and my epic ride packing list. Oh, I feel so sorry for Sean. He he must have just been so dismayed when you pulled up and were like, here, uh, can I just hitch this U-Haul to your truck? <laughs> right, right. Four duffels later. Yeah. Nah, it doesn't look that bad. Oh, I know. The, the the list always sounds bad. I'm I don't think I'm going to go into the same detail as you, but just looking on my phone here. So I've got my general category which has uh such things as my pillow. Doesn't sound like you sound like you're bringing one of those. Yeah, good I one. Yeah. Simply do not understand. Uh drop bag, uh, you know, something that can be zipped up and left at the Columbine turnaround in case uh which will have my uh, you know, jacket, neoprene, gloves, and so forth, stuff in case it's snowing up high at 12,000 feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, a number of Ziploc bags that I can use for a number of things, trash bags, a Sharpie, my espresso machine, and coffee beans. Um, printouts with uh, tasks for my crews for when I come through. Uh, uh, then street clothes and miscellaneous stuff. I'm not even going to bother you with that one. My electronics list, which is about 12 items long, mm-hmm. about the same as yours mm-hmm. uh, there. Uh, things for my crew from a tent and chairs and foldable picnic, picnic table, ice chest galore, uh, and then my bike uh, bike items uh, from shorts and jerseys. And I should tell you, as far as socks go, I've settled on just four pair of identical socks. That's nuts. That's nuts. <laughs> it <laughs> no, works so not. great for me, though. <laughs> I'm going to stick up it... for him here. That's not nuts. That's genius. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, 
Socks uh, are so important. Very important. No. My favorite accessory in cycling. Yeah. I If, if things get cold, two pair uh, <laughs> on top of each other. Um, so uh, I have my starting line throwaway clothes. Unlike you, I, I have no intention of recovering the warm clothes I put on at the beginning of the starting really? line. These are things that I bought at a uh, at a th- not at a thrift store at a like a Goodwill store, mm-hmm. and they cost a dollar. And I expect you know I toss them you know over into the crowd uh, and don't expect to recover them. The crazy thing is I have been wearing the same starting line throwaway clothes for four years. <laughs> Somehow they always come back. <sighs> I keep trying to get rid of them and they're like, they're, they're like the, you know, I, I don't know. They're a bad penny. They keep turning up. <laughs> um, uh, all of my bottles um, so that we can swap them out. Tubes, plugs, lube, rags, CO2 galore, uh, tools. Uh, my Silka pump, uh, my glorious Silka pump. Oh, man. It's like the most important thing I can bring. Zip ties. Those are important yep. to bring. Got those too. I don't know if you – okay, good. Mm-hmm. Bike food, uh, Roctane gels, uh, one per half hour per person. It's amazing how fast that stocks up uh, or stacks up. Uh, I use Carbo Rocket 333 for a drink, although uh, Jonathan Vodders has sent me uh, something that he wants me to try using. Mm. Had to sneak in his name somehow for this one. Uh, <laughs> Martens, M-A-U-R-T-E-N-S. Have you guys heard of it? No. Have you tried it? No. Oh, something new. Um, and uh, he says, hey, give this a try. And I have. It's very light tasting. It uh, forms a hydrogel after you drink it. Um, uh, uses pectin. I don't even know what that means. I'm not sure either. I, ju- I read it on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know if I heard you say anything about ibuprofen or Excedrin. They give us all kinds of uh, stern warnings about not using ibuprofen during the race. Yeah. I would say just don't be dumb about it. <laughs> it's, I, I, I will almost certainly be taking around 800 milligram, milligrams of ibuprofen during the race. Yeah, and, and you cramp, an right? You cramp. you cramp. I do. Yeah, that's you why. Think, you think that's why? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, yeah. if you say so, boss. Okay. <laughs> nope. I just scratched off uh, ibuprofen. <laughs> and then I have a clothes bag, uh, a bad weather bag, a very bad weather bag, <laughs> and a Columbine uh, Columbine mine bag. The Columbine mine one just goes up there with, uh, with uh, the, uh, the race provides it. Uh-huh. And then I just have a, a clear see-through bag that has printed on it bad weather and very bad weather <laughs> and i can just ask for my crew will have that i say give me my bad weather bag give me my very bad weather bag and i will find what i need out of it hmm. uh fingers crossed i won't need to use either of those and then i have task lists for my crew for each of the places where i will see them which is twin lakes outbound twin lakes inbound and the pipeline inbound mm-hmm Dude, we are such nerds. And this is for a a race that w- will be at the outer limit 13 hours long, right? If you take longer than 13 hours, you're swept. Yep. Um, if you take longer than 12 hours, you're just a semi-official finisher. You don't get a buckle, but you do get your name on the finisher's mm-hmm. list. Um, what is the, is this the longest race that either of you have have done? Have you done something longer or something bigger? Oh boy, I well, this is kind of the limit for me. So if I mm. have, I have not uh, recorded it um, because I love Leadville and I love going there. But the eight to nine hours of riding, or or ten, whatever this will end up being for me, is is about two hours or even three beyond my level of um, of real Enjoyment. interest. Yeah, of real interest. Yeah. It becomes, you know, I love I love the five to six hour ride somewhere in there. That's that's my sweet spot. Um, so Leadville is much more than that. Now Leadville offers so many other things, Patrick. Like you found out at Kansas, the experience just becomes this part of you, and you know you can stuff those. Those three hours somewhere, um, you'll find a place for them if mentally you're normally not up for that kind of challenge. So um, I would say it is. I would say Leadville probably is about 
as long as I've done. Patrick, how about you? Uh, the longest event I've ever done, you know, it wasn't a race, but I did the climb to Kaiser, which was 153 miles, more than 14,000 feet of climbing. Uh, I did it with a then girlfriend and, uh, you know, just had her ride on my wheel the whole day and we were out there 14 hours. Mm -hmm. uh, it, I was thinking it was going to be a 12 hour day and... Uh, so it was that was a little bit of a surprise, but that's, that's the longest day thing. I've ever had on the bike. Yeah, so I've I've done longer rides than either of you. I've done a twenty five hour a mountain bike race solo. Um, yeah, thanks. I'll pass. Yeah, the really clever thing about that was I did it on a rigid single speed, and that was in St. George, uh, which is you know all desert rock single track type stuff. And how'd Stupid. that work for you? Oh, my wrists uh, were permanently ruined. I'm I cannot ride uh, rigid single speed anymore. Mm -hmm. um, it it affected me permanently. Um, I have also done the Salt to Saint solo, which is uh, from Salt Lake City to Saint George, um, and that took about twenty eight hours uh, of nonstop riding. <laughs> so big stuff, but I mean that's big. But imagine guys taking something like that and multiplying it times twenty. Well, that's what we're going to be talking about right after this break here on the Pace Line. Looking at the weather, it looks like it's going to be absolutely beautiful. Knock on wood, Mother Nature. It's going to treat us well out here today in Leadville. Going to climb up into the 60s, partial cloud cover to get you through your 100 miles out here in the tallest, the toughest, the baddest mountains in all of Colorado. And it's going to happen in just over 30 minutes from now. about Health IQ and how they are helping people to source better rates on life insurance. Recently, they updated their site with new insurers and the ability to serve more people. They've got special rates for cyclists, of course, and runners and triathletes, but also vegans and other health conscious people now. We've mentioned they have quizzes, and these aren't just for fun. If you score elite on a quiz for a specific lifestyle, that can earn you a further discount on your life insurance. They've also replaced BMI with waist to hip ratio, which is a far better predictor of cardiovascular disease when it comes to athletes. Additionally, they replaced the LDL to HDL ratio with triglyceride to HDL ratio for people on low carb or paleo diets because that's a better predictor of cholesterol health. Amazingly, they will not take into account one incidence in a family history if you are otherwise healthy. It's like a get out of jail card. In other words, if one person in your family has had cancer or diabetes, they won't ding you for it. Finally, they can also get better rates for those with runner's heart or hypertension. Check them out at healthiq.com slash paceline. And the pace line is back. Hottie, Patrick, me, Fatty. Guys, before we went to break, I was asking you, what if you took the longest ride that you've done, you know, 100 miles, 150 miles, a few hundred miles, and you multiply that times 20? That wasn't really a hypothetical question. You've heard of the tour divide, right? Of course. And that's, you know, that's a 2,700-mile ride a 2,700 self-supported mountain bike race. Have you ever considered doing that? Well, hmm. I did a 2,100-mile solo unsupported bike tour on roads, and that was utterly daunting. So something longer on a mountain bike that's a race, um, not with a gun to my head. <laughs> and for for those of you who have not heard about this before, the Tour Divide, it follows the Great Divide route, which is from the border of Canada to the border of Mexico. It takes folks in general, the fastest guys, a couple of weeks, to the slowest guys, you know, just 
just maybe a month, maybe a little more. And it is completely self-supported. You got to resupply with what you can buy along the way. And frankly, I just can't wrap my mind around it. It's too big to really contemplate. That said, I follow their little blue dots every year. And I wish that I were brave enough to sign up for this thing and to train for this thing and to do this thing. And I have a friend who is local to where I live, uh, who, when I started doing uh, the 100 mile type stuff, the couple hundred mile type stuff, he started thinking more along the lines of backpacking and the self-supported stuff. We're not too different. His name's Adam Lizenby, and he's, he's about a decade younger than I am, but in other ways, pretty similar to me. And a few years ago, he had the idea to go ahead and start training for this incredible race, this Tour Divide. And just last month, it was time to do it. He had turned 40, he'd got permission, and he did the Tour Divide. Before uh, before he the race began, about a week, in fact, exactly a week before the race began, I sat him down uh, right in my uh, improvised studio here at home, and I talked with him for about a half hour. And then after the uh, after he got back, after the race, we sat down again and talked for another half hour. And I put those together, and I created uh, the first episode of what we are calling the Paceline Tandem. And that is long-form, one-on-one interviews, conversations, what, what have you, where we can deep dive on topics that only cyclists care about and love. But in this case, a normal guy who decided he was going to ride the Tour Divide. So I wanted to have our listeners listen to just a short, you know, a, a short little 10-minute excerpt of the first part of this conversation. And if you subscribe to The Paceline, you're going to automatically have this uh, episode of The Paceline Tandem, uh, me talking with Adam Lizenby, a guy you've never heard of, but has done something that uh, I got to say I wish that I wanted to do. Let's go ahead and listen to that. Tell us a little bit about what you're about to do and how you got to this point. I'm about to ride, attempt to ride the Tour Divide. 2,700 miles from Banff, Alberta, Canada, to Antelope Wells, New Mexico, right at the Mexican border. 2,700 miles, something like 250,000 vert. I know the numbers are silly. You, <laughs> you can't even comprehend the numbers if you, if you try. It stopped making any sense after a while. It's just big number, big number, right. another big number. Exactly. It's a bike packing race or ride, depending on what your intention is. And what is your intention? I want to ride... I want to ride it as fast as I can. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to try to break the record sure. or anything like that. But I want to push myself out there. I want to I want to cover some ground each day, but still try to be in a spot where I can make good decisions at night about getting sleep. I, I need sleep. This doesn't mean 10 or 12 hours a day, but, but I think five or six a night, I, and I think I can stay functional. I'm willing, and I've done it before, to push deep into the night, you know, and survive on two or three hours when I need to. Yeah. I just don't think, for me, that's sustainable. And so how many days do you think this is going to take you? That's a tough one because there are variables that slow people down. Sure. Uh, weather, snowpack is a big one. This year, we've had a lot of snow. Mm-hmm. The passes in Canada and Montana still have snow in them. The passes in Wyoming and Colorado still have snow in them. And we're just a few days from the start. And yeah, you are flying out, you know, to, to set everyone's minds where Adam's mind is right now. You fly out to Banff one week from today. And when you get back, we're going to have you tell us the story. And then the listeners, they don't have to wait at all. They're going to hear. They're there going you to go. hear you now, and then they're going to hear you afterward. <laughs> gonna... That this older, wiser Adam. <laughs> this is the naive, hopeful Adam that you're hearing right now. So let's let's rewind the clock a little bit because mm-hmm. I mean it, it wasn't so long ago that you and I were like as, as similar as two riders can be. You were about the same size, same build. I mean, you're a little younger than I am, but otherwise 
know, pretty similar. Mm-hmm. I went toward 100-mile races and, you know, relays that take 25 to 30 hours, overnight stuff. You have gone toward backpacking. Tell me what the draw is. Um, the, the draw to bikepacking, I think, is really similar to this to, to what attracts riders to 100-milers and 24-hour bike races mm-hmm. and, and things like that. I, I, I've done a lot of those, and I, and I still do them, and I enjoy them. But bikepacking just means you get to do it longer, and you get <laughs> to cover more ground. You can draw up a route, and instead of thinking, I've got to plan this to get back to the car before dark or shortly after dark— you can just plan to be out there as long as you want. And that might be over an overnighter. It might be several days. It might be several weeks. Um, you know, the, the Tour Divide yeah. is a long one, and it's a, it's a famous one, but there are guys who are touring all over the West, a lot in the West, but all over the country, and then, and, you know, the world. And they're just out wandering on their bikes. And it's a fun, nomadic lifestyle that I like tasting in small bites. Mm-hmm. And how how long have you been working toward this particular race, this thing that you are going to be starting, you know, in, in less than two weeks from now? I mean, it, it's something I've always had on the list. But how long have you been serious about it? But it, at some point, you it, got, it serious got serious about, about two years ago. Mm-hmm. I actually remember the moment I was riding on the Murdoch Canal Trail here locally, a paved, yeah, paved easy, trail. you know, yeah, fun ride. Cruising along that with my friend, Ty, who's also going to be riding. Mm. And I said to him, what do you think about the tour divide? (laughs) And I knew, but just by opening that question, I was getting myself into trouble because he was always a little more serious about doing it than I was. If you ask the question, you have to listen to the answer, right? He he said, yeah, I still want to do it. You want to do it? He just threw the question right back on me. And I said... Maybe, maybe to celebrate my 40th birthday, I could, I could talk myself into it. <laughs> and he said, well, when's that? When do you turn 40? I said, the summer of 2017. This was 2015. 2017 seemed like a distant dream, something sure, that would never sure. <laughs> happen. <laughs> a safe distance away. Exactly. So I said, let me check, let me check at home and at work and just make sure I can check out a life for a month. Kind of hoping that either my wife or the people at work would say, no, no are you kidding me? Can't have a month. No, we're not going <laughs> to even entertain that idea. Well, everyone said, sure. That sounds great. That sounds like a great adventure. Go do it. That was my big question was, or one of my questions that I imagine holding me back is the logistics that, you know, you have a job like normal people like me. You have kids at home, like normal people, like me. And you've got, you've got a lot of responsibilities. But it turned out that when you asked, people said yes. And I have never even asked. I've just, it makes like I'm making the same assumption you had, but you were brave enough to go to both of them and say, hey, I, I want to do something incredible. What do you think? And, and people said, yeah. That's amazing, actually. That's and that actually says some really good things about the people around you. It does, it does, and it is amazing. And uh, it was slightly disappointing because um, <laughs> I had no more excuses. And it was good that it was two years because it has allowed me to prepare not just in getting gear and studying the route and getting mm. in shape and doing some bike pack trips, but it helped me to prepare to be gone for a while. Yeah, and to make sure things were gonna. Be, be good at home and, and at the office and all the other responsibilities that, that we have. So I, I hope I've used the time wisely because it's gone. The time is used up. It, it's here. I mean, that's, and I remember as a kid, completely unable to sleep on Christmas Eve, just in anticipation. Not so much of it. It wasn't really that I was hoping for a specific present, is that I was thinking about the things that could be in those boxes. And that's sort of what you're at now is... Uh, and I've read your blog, and we should point point our readers to it. It's grizzlyadam.net, right? Right. And some really good posts about your gear and about the stuff that's been running through your head. Make sure you go go and check that out uh, and see what – more details on what has gone through Adam's head as he's been working through this. But how um, – I mean, what is going through your brain during, you know, now as, as you are on this, this verge of, you know, 
taking a sharp corner and suddenly seeing this thing that you that's been on the horizon forever. A lot of little things. Yeah. Um, which are sort of infuriating because <laughs> I'm I'm debating whether or not to take really short little briefs or some long johns to sleep in. Both weigh almost nothing. The long johns are like they're like they're made out of really ultra thin silk. Sure. They're, like, they're like pantyhose almost. So I'm debating dumb little things that really have no impact. But still get in your head. But get in my head yeah. and I and I <laughs> I weigh them and I pack them up differently and how many, you know, how many AAA batteries should I bring? It's like triple A's, I can get them anywhere along the route. Yeah, that is one thing that you should be able to pick up along the way. Right. But you still, you worry about every single little thing. So every little thing, the big things sort of, I sort of checked those off over the last 18 months or so. You know, I've got a sleep system that I've spent a lot of time in. I'm pretty dialed there. I've got the bike mm -hmm. and the bags, and I have a pretty good understanding of the route. Last year, we went out and we rode 700 miles of the route oh. from Pinedale, Wyoming to Del Norte, Colorado to get a little, you know, it was a dress rehearsal. Turns out, I think we rode the 700 easiest miles of the route. <laughs> we did ride through the Great Divide Basin, and that's not easy because it's so arid yeah. and so dry. Um, but we did that on our second day, so we had pretty good legs. Um, so I kind of have an idea. What what would you tell your future self? You what would you tell the Adam who's going to come back in July and uh, you know and will have had this experience? What do you think you could? What, what do you think you could tell yourself? It it's easy it's easy to get caught up, like I mentioned, in the little things, mm -hmm. the gear, and am I going to get to this town on that day? And am I going to average the mileage that I want to average? I hope that I'm able to just sort of put that stuff in the back of my mind. Yeah. And I want to come away from this knowing that, knowing two things, that I gave it a good, honest effort. No matter what happens, that I was out there and I was, I gave it a good, a good go. And I want to enjoy it. I mean, we, we ride bikes because it's fun, right? Yeah. Kids, we, we grew up riding bikes through the neighborhood, not to stay in shape. Not to set Strava segment KOMs or anything like that. We wrote because it was fun. And ultimately, that's still, I think, why we do it. The times where I get myself in trouble on long rides is when I, I start monologuing in my own head <laughs> and questioning why I'm there and, and think about all the things I should be doing. You know, and I chastise myself for being, you know, not a good dad because I'm out here on the CTR or the Great Divide and not at home with the kids. And and there's probably some truth to some of that, but the family's super supportive and they're really excited. And it's about yeah. just being in the moment. And so if there's a rainstorm coming, I've got the gear. So bundle up and, and enjoy the ride. Enjoy yeah. the rainstorm. It'll pass by and then tomorrow it'll be a nice sunny day or not. Now, guys, I don't want to spoil things, but when he gets back, he and I have a conversation that is pretty darn intense. And I think anyone who's ever dreamed about doing something not just big, but incomprehensibly big is going to want to listen to. Do you hear yourselves in, in Adam here? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. The... Uh the last uh, 90 seconds or so when he talked about why we ride and it's mm -hmm. not for Strava or your Garmin or all that uh, other stuff. And why did we ride to begin with? Because it was cool. It was fun. We had fun doing it. And uh, I thought that was an interesting little piece of uh, bike philosophy there. Yeah, no question. Absolutely. Uh, Adam, Adam is a very interesting guy, very thoughtful guy. Uh, definitely really do recommend checking out his... Uh, site grizzlyadam.net uh he he had the big full beard before big full beards were cool uh and it, hence the nickname grizzly adam um he also after doing the uh, colorado trail race a couple of years ago he did a book uh with a lot of photos and his story of doing this and he's a very uh, i won't say gifted because he's earned 
the his his capability with the camera, but he is a very skilled photographer. Mm. And it's definitely worth checking out his site. He, he does a lot of photos. He, his book has great photos, great story. Uh, you know, really interesting guy. Uh, tells a story very well. So uh, check his site out for other stuff. But uh, first, make sure that you listen to the Paceline Tandem podcast because if you check his blog out first, it'll give away the ending. And you don't want that. I'm being careful to not do spoilers here. It is good. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, let's move on to this segment we call news, mm. and which we maybe should instead call things that happened sort of recently that <laughs> cyclists care about. <laughs> well, what do you expect? It's a podcast. It's not cable news, right? And well, thank goodness for that, right? We have plenty of cable news. I understand, Hadi, you have got some envy, not the brand, but the actual jealousy for a bike that Patrick's been riding. Let's hear a little bit about it. Yeah, well, I saw a little post on RKP today about the Cosmic Stallion. I went, hmm, All City's got a new bike. Cool. And I, because I've followed All City, Patrick, a little bit. I've been interested in the brand. Um, they've had the Macho King Limited, which is their kind of their gravel cross machine. And I've been inches away from pulling the trigger on that. But then I saw you got on this thing called the Cosmic Stallion, which I guess ups the ante. It uh, takes it up a notch for all city and the the off road area. Yeah, I, I so I was just in uh, at Lake Tahoe at the North Star Resort for a big event that QBP has been holding called Saddle Drive, and it's like a mini interbike, if you will, for all the different brands that. Uh, this uh, distributor, QBP, Quality Bicycle Products, uh, carry. And so I sat down in this presentation for All City, and they whipped out the Cosmic Stallion, and they proceeded to tell us how, you know, they, they'd been sourcing Columbus tubing for some bikes and Reynolds tubing for some bikes, and then when they really started thinking through the Cosmic Stallion, they decided that none of the off-the-shelf tube sets were really a fit for what they wanted to do with the bike. They wanted some very specific budding. They wanted some thin walls to make it light and lively. And so they went to a supplier and asked them to draw a special tube set just for uh, all city to use on their bikes, uh, certain select models anyway. And you know, the Cosmic Stallion is the result of that. And this is a dedicated gravel bike. I mean, certainly somebody could do an awful lot with this bike. You could do some, say, lighter touring. It's got a full complement of brazons. It's got a carbon fork, you know, that even has lower eyelets. Uh, you could run fenders and smaller tires. I rode it with the Clement Explorer MSO 40 millimeter tire and went up a uh, one of the access roads, one of the fire roads within North Star and proceeded to go until it got just stupid steep and then got on one of the mountain bike trails to come back down. Uh, it was a green circle. Uh, I didn't want to go getting airborne on that thing without a dropper post. But the way it tracked, the, the way it handled, you know, the balance of the bike just really blew me away. I've been saying to a lot of people that there aren't that many uh, production gravel bikes that I'm all that impressed with. So many of them won't take a 40 millimeter tire. And this is one bike where anybody looking for a more budget oriented uh, complete build, you know, would really do well to look at this thing. I mean, it's only $25.99. So you know, just jam-packed with, with value. You know, there are a lot of great, you know, name brand parts on it. The fact that they went with first-rate tires just blew me away considering what that price point is. And hydraulic disc brakes. You know, these are mm. not cable-actuated discs. So it's a, it's a real stunner of a bike. And it was really just yet another example of how that whole, uh, the whole week has been for me. Uh, being at Saddle Drive, just one bike after another where it's like, wow, I didn't see that coming. So mm. rode a bunch of stuff from Salsa, you know, the Pony Rustler, the new Deadwood. Um, let's see. Uh, there's a brand I wasn't familiar with, Heller, 
they've got a bike, uh, the Bar Guest, that I didn't have a chance to get on, but was just itching to try because it's a $2,700 mountain bike, carbon fiber, main triangle and rear triangle, 140 front, 130 rear for $2,700. And it was just like, oh my gosh, I got to get on this. But they only had one in large and I never got to take it out. So that's that's kind of gnawing at me. Um, you know, rode some stuff from Surly. Uh, so, you know, all sorts of things going on there. It was a really, really neat event. Well, the sounds co- awesome. Yeah, the Cosmic Stallion fatty is is now a hottie has been looking for a goddamn gravel bike for I don't know how I've been bugging Patrick <laughs> about this. I've been riding bikes. I've been writing about them. Uh, we've got one, in fact, in the hopper right now. Another uh, one of the carbon machines that I got on for a while. That'll show up on RKP pretty soon. But the Cosmic Stallion got my attention again because they, I mean, they made certain upgrades to this bike to give it a little more race DNA. It has got through axles front and rear now. The old Macho King Limited just had um, quick release, 135 on the rear. They've gone 142 spacing on the back. It'll take 45s, like Patrick said, tapered front head tube, lighter by about five ounces, I think, Patrick, over the Macho King. At least that's what they're claiming. We didn't whip any scales out yet, but that's what they're claiming. You can also get it as a frame set, build it up on your own. Um, Yeah, the funky paint job. I mean, all cities got that kind of that hip kid attitude towards it. Um, and you do around here, Patrick, in the city, you go up into Silver Lake and up into those neck of the woods, you see a lot of all cities running around the streets. So they do, they do cater to that crowd a little bit, but well, very think, cool, th- very cool. Golden bike. Saddle in, in yes. uh, Silver Lake carries them. So yeah. yeah, I saw one of the guys from the shop there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well if you get it, lock it up. Sounds yeah, like yeah. a nice bike. So Fatty it was interesting that Patrick was at North Star because yeah. North Star is part of our next news item. That's right. Interbike moving to Reno. Yeah. Patrick, Interbike Reno. So we're moving from one uh, Nevada City, Vegas, to another. And Northstar will play a part where you were being the host of the consumer portion of the show and then the outdoor demo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a really interesting switch. You know, I think uh, as a riding experience for the mountain bikers, it's going to be much more interesting much more exciting, uh, probably a little less death-defying. I mean, the number of times I saw people, you know, with yucca plants stuck in them and that sort of thing. Uh, so, you know, hopefully injuries will be a little bit lower. What's what's the um, name of the place in Vegas we go to, the outdoor demo? It's I was uh, uh, Bootleg Canyon. Bootleg Canyon, that's, that's, right. that's right. It's rock-filled and cactus and... Uh, there's a lot of washout and ruts everywhere because rain, rainwater, when it does hit there, just cuts huge gutters everywhere. So it's kind of a crazy place to ride. Yeah, I only do road riding there. Mm. You know, I, <laughs> I just focus on road bikes. Uh, doing road rides, you know, from North Star, that's going to get a little interesting because there's just not a lot of territory there that's uh, not immediately up or down. Plus, you know, you're north of 6,000 feet at that right. point. So, uh, I'll have to get down to the lake. I mean, if you can get down to the lake, maybe they'll shuttle people down to the lake. It's flatter around the lake, but highway 267 there, right outside North star. That's the road that leaves in that baby is steep. That's a bona fide climb right there, but Hmm. it's interesting. Uh, you know, this has long been talked about Patrick getting out of Vegas. Right. And why do you suppose Reno? I mean, I there was a lot of talk coming back to orange County. Maybe what is, what does Reno offer that Vegas couldn't? Well, the thing that surprises me is that they have enough space uh, for the convention to be there. That part completely caught me off guard. You mean convention floor? You mean convention space? Convention floor space? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, that's not a selling point, but, you know, it was something that I thought would probably have not played in the show's favor. You know, and especially they, you got to figure they're trying to allow space for brands that have left the show to come back. From what I see, the single biggest selling point is the fact that it's not a union hall. So brands will be able to use their staff to take everything in. There won't be the exorbitant drayage fees that you have to pay a union hall. And there won't be events like I've heard about where, you know, somebody's trailer 
gets unpacked, but then none of the stuff gets delivered for eight hours. Mm. You know, it's just sitting somewhere on the convention floor and they can't find it. And even if they find it, they're not allowed to move it themselves. Mm. So one of the big gripes about Vegas has been how inefficient and expensive the unions are in terms of moving uh, your gear to your spot. Mm. So that's meant to be, you know, a real plus for the brands. Um, and the fact that it's in Reno is meant to be, uh, you know, a, a bigger draw to a lot of retailers to give them something fresh to go to. It's not Sin City, you know. But, I mean, it's still a gambling town, so I, I, I'm not really sure about that part. Mm-hmm. But it's... Hmm. Uh, you know, it's nice to see them trying to do something to rework the the show so that the business model makes a little bit more sense. You know, that's been the, the big challenge that they've faced is that, you know, so many of the big brands hold their own events. I mean, the QBP event that I was just at, you know, all the people there were busy meeting with their reps and, you know, you could hear them talking preseason orders, you know, what they did uh, this year. Uh, what they're expected to do next year, you know, the buy-in levels to make sure you get these bikes on the floor, all that stuff. And so, you know, and QBP is the single largest distributor in the U.S., one of the largest in the world. And so with them holding their own event, Specialized holds their own event, Giant holds, uh, holds their own event, as does Trek, you know, you've, you've got all these big brands that have pulled out of the show and that erosion has made the show less attractive to retailers. So they've needed to do something to make it more relevant again. I've commented previously that as a member of the media, I should be sort of an afterthought for Interbike. And yet currently, I think it serves me better than it does either the retailers or the manufacturers. And that's when you know you've got problems. Mm-hmm. So are you planning to go? Yeah, I'll be there. I oh, have yeah, to be will. there. Yeah. I'm How about frustrated. you, Heidi? Uh, the new job will probably prevent me from being there this year, unfortunately. I'm really <sighs> not happy about that. <laughs> well, ask the radio station. Maybe they'll let you go. <laughs> Roving can, reporter. I'll write I'll, you a note. Okay. <laughs> I can use the help. Yeah. What's, go, what's going on at RKP right now? Well, you know, based on a lot of comments that I'd been getting in response to some tires and wheels that I had reviewed, I did kind of a primer uh, on uh, using tubeless tires and wheels, sort of relative to my experience. And that's been getting a, a whole host of comments, a lot of different perspectives. And it's funny because I've not been a big fan of tubeless for road and we've had a lot of readers chiming in about how they've been doing it, how long they've been doing it, how much they like it. And so it's causing me to think maybe I need to take another look at that. So that's that's been a, a pretty lively piece for us. There are a couple of uh, first ride bike reviews. You know, these are based on, uh, you know, a single ride. I couldn't get into super depth, but uh, recently uh, Specialized Epic, a bike I used to hate, and the aforementioned Cosmic Stallion. And there will be some other bike reviews going up uh, in the next week based on my experience at the QBP Saddle Drive. All right. Going to look forward to reading those. What do you say we go on to the Paceline Picks, guys? Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm moving us along. Patrick, I'm going to have you go first this time. Well, you know, I managed to get uh, get to the event just a little bit early um, I was going to have dinner with some some folks uh, there, and so I showed up and did uh, the Flume Trail uh, just above Lake Tahoe. Had a great time with that, but then uh, as I was driving back from uh, back from dinner, uh, I passed the Truckee Bike Park and couldn't believe what I saw just from there on 267. And so when I managed to carve out a little time. You know, just before sundown the next day, uh, I drove down there with my plus mountain bike, you know, 140 front, 130 rear, not the proper bike for that place at all. But, you know, just wore myself out for an hour and was just blown away by this place. It's something where I, I need to do an interview uh, with the powers that be behind that. But it's it's a really neat thing where you've got 
a pump track and you've got you know some dirt jump stuff there's a dual slalom track there's a slope style track there are all sorts of things for you as you progress in ability and you know they really uh, depend on the community to keep it up there are signs around that say you know sweep and water before you ride so they want people uh, having a sense of ownership and responsibility for the condition the park is in there's a place for donations there are all sorts of signs from sponsors there i you know i left that place just completely blown away at what that community had what an incredible asset it has and I, you know, it's the sort of thing where, oh, now I want to do a trip to Tahoe with my whole family so that I can take my boys there because I could see that there was terrain easy enough even for my four and a half year old. Very cool. Love those kinds of paceline picks when something is just grabs your attention and says, hey, I'm a wonderful spot. I'm afraid mine is not going to be quite so positive. I have what I'm going to call an anti-pick. Uh, have you guys heard of the Wahoo Element Mini? Yeah, yeah. Are you stoked for it? <laughs> I look forward to giving it a try. Do you? It, it comes at an attractive price point, 99 bucks. But that is about all that it has to recommend it based on what I can tell. It has no GPS. You got to use your phone if you want to actually show where you've been. Hmm. Guess how you charge it? Mm, uh, the sun double a batteries trick question it uses oh. the coin style battery you can't charge mm. it you have to replace the battery on this thing oh wow yeah yeah um it, it, because it doesn't have a gps it lasts the battery lasts for a long time they say 250 hours i don't care i don't want to have to take off the back and get a new kind of battery that i never use and you guys know what happens when you use your phone's GPS, right, with a, mm-hmm. a remote device. Mm-hmm. How long you can does almost the phone hear the sucking last? sound from your battery. Mm-hmm. Hope you don't need to make a phone call afterwards, guys. Um, <laughs> and it's, uh, you know, battery not rechargeable. It sucks down your phone battery. And, of course, it only works with Wahoo sensors. So if you don't, if your heart rate monitor, not Wahoo, forget about it. If your cadence sensor, not Wahoo, forget about it. Guys, I just don't understand this device. It's attractive price point aside, and it comes with a sensor so that you can at least read speed uh, when it's not connected to your phone. I guess that's good, but otherwise, I don't know. I'm a fan of Wahoo. I have a kicker. I have an element. I don't understand the element mini. I just don't get it. It's an anti-pick. Uh, I, 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 it's, it's not the device for me. It must be for someone. It'd be interesting to find out who. Bring us home, Hottie. What you got? Well, guys, my wife is from the town of San Dimas. You may have heard of this place via Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Party on, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is also the home of the world-famous Raging Waters, water slides. Annually, it hosts Where Napoleon a- went. Uh-huh. That's right. Uh, annually, it hosts a stage race once called Pomona Valley, now just San Dimas Stage Race, of course. San Dimas is named after Saint Dismas, the patron saint of thieves. A Spanish settler who had his cattle stolen prayed to Saint Dismas for their return. Don't know if that worked, but San Dimas, or Saint Dismas, sure sounded better than the original name of the town, Mud Springs. <laughs> As for Saint Dismas... Uh, The stories are a little loose on this man, but by most accounts, he was the so-called good thief, one of two who were crucified on each side of Christ. And while the other thief mocked Christ, it was Dismas who asked for forgiveness and was told by Christ, you will be with me in paradise. I know what you're saying. Hottie, what does this have to do with bikes? You know, I'm saying the same thing here, guys. (laughs) <laughs> well, it turns out I had a little run-in with a thief the other day. A bike thief, to be precise. My oh, wife and no. I had stopped for coffee and parked our bikes outside the shop. She went in to order, and I stayed outside to watch over the bikes. I leaned my carbon 29er against a bike rack next to two city bikes that were locked together. There was a food truck parked at the curb, and I decided to order. Tater tots with chicken chorizo and cheese. Yum. As I waited for my order, I noticed a shirtless man glancing towards my ride. 
He didn't look like the athletic type, but who am I to judge? His moves were shifty and nervous, and he kept looking at my bike and then looking away. How he didn't notice me standing there in full kit, I'll never know. But his nervousness made me nervous, so I took a few steps his way and readied myself for action. My plan was to pounce should he make one more step towards my specialized. I was ready. And then he noticed me and put two and two together. Ah, oh, the dude with a funny outfit must belong to the bike. <laughs> and then he said something. At first, I could not understand what he said and asked him to repeat. Is this your bike? He said. I confirmed it was. What I was expecting next was what I usually get from people pretending to show interest. Is that a mountain bike? What size wheels are those? How much does it weigh? You know, the usual nonsense. But this guy didn't mince words. When I told him it was my bike, he said, okay, because I was going to take it. I was so shocked, I didn't know whether to call the cops, thank him, <laughs> or give him the St. Dismas treatment and forgive him. But before I could get out another word, he ducked around the corner. Had I stopped the thief? Maybe ended his life of crime? Or did he <laughs> simply move on and snag a bike a few minutes later? Hard to say. But at least for a second, I got a straight answer and somewhat of an apology from what many who listen to this show believe are the scourge of the earth, bike thieves. So my pace I'm pick, in an odd roundabout way, is San Dimas or St. Dismas, the patron saint of thieves. Oh, wow. That awesome story. <laughs> I was going to take it. Oh, that's perfect. I was and utterly I... breathless. <laughs> totally biblical, wow. huh? Yeah. Oh, fantastic one. That is why you get all the great reviews, Hottie. Well, and I just take the compliment, man. Okay, you I'll just got to take it. There you go. Because that is it for this episode of The Pace Line. If you haven't been to iTunes, rate us, review us, tell us how much you love Hottie's stories. Pretty please. And if you already have, well, thank you. We owe you a poll. For Hottie and Patrick, I'm Fatty. You've been listening to The Pace Line. Was that too long? Was that so obsessive that people are going to be like, holy crap, that could only be interesting to you two guys? Mm.